times I feel old like I'm going out of style So I turn down the music on my FM dial I beg of you to come and listen for a while And look at this wonderful world through the eyes of a child what is going on, Beards and Brodies? You are listening to the Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Stepbacks and everything Houston Rockets. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny. With me is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin. Wow. Let's just take a second and uh, just breathe it in, drink it in, because we are back. How are you feeling right now? I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm feeling a little you know like uh, I need to be refreshed a little bit. It's been a while since we've done this. Well, you have to talk into the mic first. That's the that's the first thing you have to do. Oh, I'm sorry. Make sure you're breathing. Yes, I have to make sure that I'm breathing correctly. Yoga breath. Yeah, yeah. You have done my, yoga. I have you my know coffee, it. my water. I am all prepared for today's episode. A big big episode. Are you sure you're ready though? I'm, I don't know if I'm ever ready, honestly. <laughs> I have to get him ready. It's all good. No, but really, it, it feels great just to be back. It, it's been a minute. We took we took a hi- we took a brief hiatus, but for good reason. For good reason, uh, GM. We took it for a good reason because we had just gone through the Astros playoff run, and we were supposed to record During two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah, roughly about two weeks ago. But then here come the Astros. On a on like a four game winning streak, like swept swept the wild card round, won the first the, two the divisional yeah won yeah won the first two they were riding on like a, what a four game win streak they lost one but then they like ultimately won so me and the GM decided you know what the Astros are riding on this crazy run let's let's yeah. not record until it's over until the series is over so unfortunately the Astros series did end. We did almost make the monumental comeback, but it was not to be. And, you know, it, it happens. And that's okay. We were very thankful for the run that we had. And we kind of wanted to, it was partially towards suspicion and superstition, but also just kind of like, we kind of just wanted to turn our brains off and enjoy the run. We didn't want to have to worry about recording and we wanted to be fully immersed into the experience. So, yeah, we, we, right? we definitely had to take that break and give ourselves some time to um really just enjoy um as, as you all know like especially for me i'm a huge 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 astros and baseball fan in general um i probably love baseball almost as much as basketball or some days it might surpass it and some days it doesn't but baseball to me is a sport that is so um underappreciated that Absolutely. not many people enjoy but i love the sport and being able to enjoy this run with the Astros was such a huge deal. As I was telling Kenny, is that even though we're a Rockets podcast, we still have to show appreciation for this franchise and for what they've done the last five years. Because, and like I've said before, this was probably the greatest run in Houston sports history of any franchise ever to be in Houston. And we really wanted to enjoy this one because if this is our last time, being able to see this team in this capacity of being this good and this close, then I felt like we had to really enjoy it for everything that it was. Absolutely. And it, yeah, for sure. You know, like we felt like that this is just something that we had to live in the moment and not allow anything else to really get in that way. So in that regard, like, you know, we fully salute 
the Astros for everything they've given us in the past five years. Full it's salute. Meant, full meant time a salute. lot to us for sure. Absolutely. And it's been such a great ride and such a great run. And we just wanted to, like I said, we wanted to fully immerse ourselves into the experience because we love the Astros. We really do. And they've get, they've been the only team that has given us, a, they gave us a championship in 2017. And they're really the only team that has consistently contended for titles every for, for every year. Yeah, every year. Even when we didn't think they were going to get it this year, they were under 500. You know, it's not, this is not an Astros episode. Don't worry. We just wanted to give you guys just kind of an update on where we've been and, and where we were. Not that we were just ducking or, or lazy in that sense. We actually honestly weren't. It was really just wanting to enjoy the run for what it was. Not, you know what? I was, I will say this, GM. We enjoyed the run so much that we didn't let anything bring us down. Anything. Not mm-hmm. even, not even, uh, Maury stepping down. That not, broke my heart. Not even, uh, the fact that we haven't, uh, we have recorded, it is Thursday the 22nd of October and we still don't have a coach. Yeah. It's supposed to be within like a month and that we should have had a coach already. We, you know, it's so funny. We recorded, let's see, we, we discussed coaches. Hang on. Let me, let me pull up my my stat sheet real quick. At least like three weeks ago. At least you're a, you're a, you're a kind man for that. Let's find out. It was, ha, no, it's almost a month. We recorded our potential coaching candidates in September 27th. We had recorded and put it out on September 27th. It's been almost a month, essentially, since we've put it out. So, you know, in that sense, we do have a lot to discuss. We won't discuss it this episode. Just a quick disclaimer, because we know uh, you guys will already know what the episode is. We are finally uh, getting back on it, and we're going to be doing it. So we're going to be pumping out episodes as they come out. And we're gonna be we're gonna be putting them out. So don't you guys worry. We'll be here for it. We'll, there will be future episodes where we'll talk about uh, Daryl Morey and his tenure as a as our GM. There will definitely be talks about you know whenever the next coach gets announced, hopefully soon. Which but I highly doubt. Tillman's a fuckwad. I'll for, I'll forever uh, I'll forever slander him on this pod, and I will continue to do so until uh, the Rockets send me a cease and desist. Until then, <laughs> I, we will forever slander uh, Tillman and forever Les Alexander. So, uh, with that with that said, speaking of Les Alexander, we do need to talk about this because this episode is Justin. You ready? Wait. By I'm the way, in. are you ready? Are you yes. sure? Because we gotta step into we gotta step into the DeLorean. We gotta fire that. That flux capacitor. I know we got to hit eighty-eight miles per hour. We got to hit eighty. We oh, we got to be sure to get to eighty-eight, or else we can't. Uh, we can't we get, get there. Nowhere. Hopefully, Doc Brown. Will you, did you know? Uh, yesterday was Back to the Future Day, October twenty-first. Really? Yeah, October twenty-first was, was when was when Marty went back in time to. Uh, it was either yesterday or the day before. Yeah, yesterday when uh yeah when Marty went went to, to twenty fifteen nineteen fifty five yeah nineteen fifty five and to twenty fifteen. I am so, dying. Yeah. What? So yeah. So we're gonna social hop- media didn't say shit. No, they did. You just gotta follow the right groups uh, like me. I yeah, followed all the groups. Apparently. So I follow all the Back to the Futures, all the future backs, God and God. all the run it backs, <laughs> and all the perspectives and retrospectives and rocket perspectives. We're all Be- about it because this is where we are. We're gonna get into that. Uh, DeLorean, hell yeah, let's do it. We're going to hop into the DeLorean right here. We're going to fire that flux capacitor. We're going to get it to 88, like the GM said. And we're going to dive and travel back to 2007, where uh, the GM was a senior. No, no, not even a senior in high school. You were a junior in high school, and uh, the commissioner was a, a freshman. Yeah. Uh, not sure of what to what to do. I, I had pimples all over my face, grandpa glasses, long hair. I looked like a chocolate beetle, for God's sake. So, 
this was a year, a big year in terms of the Houston Rockets, obviously. So let's go ahead and talk about that, GM. Let's let's open it up by talking about the 0506 conclusion of the se- the season. Obviously, mm-hmm. not where we wanted it to be. It was tough all around season. The Rockets finished 34 and 48. T Mac only played in basically almost like a little over half the season. He only played 47 games. Yeah. Then was out. Uh, because of back spasms, mm-hmm. and then Yao Ming was out too for a bulk of that season. So that season was basically a wash. Do you have any memories from that 0506 season? Not really, outside of the fact that uh, T Mac went down. They just very didn't start early. well either. And Yao was out, I think. Um, that team in general was just. The talent was not there. No, they, they thought Stromas Swift was going to be the answer. Yeah, he was the big signing that summer. We signed him to the MLE. Everyone celebrated that move. Little did we know that he was like the dinosaur version of Terrence Jones. No jump shot, no brains, no nothing, just all athleticism. He was a poor man's Terrence Jones. Can you believe that? A poor man's Terrence Jones. That's got to be quite a... Uh, that's quite that's an quite, achievement. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite a feat. Yeah. But I don't know if like uh, feat can be used in one words and... You know, I, I don't know how I don't know how uh, Mr. Fundamental would feel though, because uh, you don't slander the name, name of uh, T. Jones. Jones. Not to not to Ray. Not to <laughs> only he loves he, he hates loves Eric Gordon, Jones, but he loves T. Jones, which is funny too, because I don't think Terrence Jones is the most fundamentally sound player. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the least. It's like how the words opposites attract. That's how I feel about Ray liking T. Jones. It makes no sense, but I respect it. I respect it too. <laughs> so we were there through it through that season. It was a horror show in that sense. Uh, they finished thirty four and forty eight, like I said. Uh, oh well, we do have to talk about the very tail end of that season and how Van Gundy did choose to win that last yes, game. Yes. To, can you go ahead and just quick give me a quick uh, give me a quick dive into that real quick? Okay. Let me so know what happened. What happened was. Obviously, you know, as fans, they wanted to completely tank that year. Um, so the deal was if we had won that game, we would go from the number six to the number eight spot in the lottery, where if we lost, we probably would have got number six and probably gone as high as number three. Yeah. Uh, or no, number one. Like, it probably could have been better, our chances. Yeah. yeah um, and obviously the big uh, – I don't remember who the first pick in the draft was there. I think it was Bogut. Um, no, no, that was oh, f- oh, 05. 05. 06, I think. Marvin Williams? No, 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 dude, no. It was Andrea Bargnani. Oh, Bargnani. Bargnani. And, and um, then Adam Morrison. It was yes. actually a really weak top three. Super weak draft. And then the Lamarcus, Lamarcus Aldridge, Tyrus Thomas. I think that was like the big, those were like the top five. I, I don't think. know if that was that year. Lamarcus might have been earlier. But um, I do recall that because it was Brandon Roy who was in that draft. And. The Rockets' number one choice was Brandon Roy, and he would have fallen to them. He would have fallen to it them was the sixth. If they he didn't was the lose. Pick. Yeah, um, but they won the last Van Gundy final chose, game. Yep, which essentially would would push us further into the off season now. Yes, with the eighth pick. Yep, with the eighth pick in the draft, which ultimately led to Rudy Gay, which led to a trade of Rudy Gay for Shane Battier, Shane Bats, the analytics all star. You know, the no stats all star. The the quint the quintessential teammate. the quintessential teammate the all arounder yeah he was an amazing master amazing of nothing teammate not like, the actually I take it back the master of defense he was an absolutely amazing teammate the probably what you would call when you think of honestly when I think of Rockets glue guys I think of two players I think of 
Shane Battier, and I think of Trevor Reza. <laughs> those are my two. Those are my ultimate glue guys. Yeah, for like this, for the glue decade guys. Twenty ten. Absolutely. Through, well, actually, like Battier was only here from like what oh seven to oh twelve or not even really long. Maybe like five seasons, but he yeah. made his mark. He's a part of the all time. Uh, he's a part of the all time teams. Rockets yes. teams. He's earned his respect. Uh, the be- the the not the Kobe stopper, not in that sense, but definitely a Kobe annoyance. Yes. Uh, even Kobe went down as to saying his biggest, uh, the toughest defender he's probably ever had was Shane Battier. Yeah. Shane Battier. Between Battier, Bowen. Yeah. But I don't think Kobe respected Bowen because no, was no, he was dirty. No, he was dirty. Shane Battier's tactics weren't really. They were they weren't really dirty in that sense. It was very clean, and the way that he approached the game was really clean. So they got Shane Battier, which was a great trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, people some people didn't like it because they liked the high upside of Rudy Gay. Obviously, but in the position of the team, they had to go with the vet. Yeah, they had to go to. alongside T Mac because they couldn't. You wait. couldn't groom. You can't no, groom Rudy no, Gay into no a system when you can potentially have Shane Battier, who you can plug into any system. Yep, and will automatically shine because his. Because what he gives to the team is all the intangibles, yep. is what gives to the team to superstars like T-Mac and Yao. Exactly. So it was very easy exactly. in that sense. So exactly. moving forward on that, they had Shane Battier. And, uh, here we go. Here we go, uh, GM. They traded the second round pick for Kirk Snyder. <laughs> oh, Kirk Snyder. <laughs> Kirk Snyder. Uh, dunking machine, Kirk Snyder. Uh, they also... They re- they they signed Scott Paget back, mm-hmm. the o four o five gem. I do recall that yeah. is Scott Paget, and then late into the off season, actually close to preseason time, they signed Bonzi Wells, which I was so jacked. I was like, dude. Give me Bonzi Wells, twenty points a game, Sacramento Kings. I know Bonzi, Bonzi was was coming Bonzi off the best great. season of his career. Like yeah. I was like, dude. Let's go. And he signed with the MLE. I yeah. was like, dude, man. All right, we're going for it. We're going for it. We got Battier. We got Bonzi. Like, what well, we got we got Rafer Alston. We got Skip to my Lou. We yeah, drafted you, Luther Head the year before. Let's fucking go, dude. Yeah, you thought that this squad was gonna be, you know, something on paper else. they were legit. Yeah. And we and we do need to talk about that because let's because when we dive into the 06, 07 Rockets, I'm gonna give you a quick GM, let me give you the the roster, the overall roster that ju- that ended up being uh, the team that was the 0607 Rockets. Yeah. From top to bottom, you got Rafer Alston, Shane Battier, Chuck Hayes, Luther Head, mm-hmm. Juwan Howard, John Lucas III, Tracy McGrady, Yao Ming, Dikembe Mutombo, Steve Novak, Scott Padgett, Kirk Snyder, uh, Vasilis Spanoulis. T- I know. Jake Sakalitis. And Bonzi Wells. Yep. That actually on paper, with Luther had running it as a six man, because he had a great rookie season, you thought that this team was actually going to be really, really something. And this team was going to be something really, really like, they were supposed to, they were being highly touted as a team that could possibly be there at the be-all, end-all, yep. to be there in the NBA Finals, to challenge the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference Finals, mm-hmm. right? That's how you saw that team going yeah. into that season, right? Oh, but I almost forgot also that Jeff Van Gundy was the head coach and had been the head coach for the three previous seasons, and how much, if we fast-forward to now, how much that makes sense, because he is not only a candidate for the Rockets, he is the leading candidate to be the uh, new Houston Rockets coach again, to get a chance to run it back again. So, so 
to reiterate the question, what did you think of that cha- of that team being a championship contender with, you know, T-Mac Yao, the surrounding cast, and Jeff Van Gundy as the head coach? There were a lot of uh, factors that factored in to Van Gundy and T-Mac and Yao all together to put them all together into one team. Um, the fact that we are on year four of Van Gundy as a head coach of the Houston Rockets and year three of the T-Mac and Yao experiment, like, and also, you know, um, we have Yao who has built this rapport with JVG, a T-Mac who has bought in to this program under Van Gundy, built the chemistry with Yao and, you know, all of them being in their peak powers this is like them at their final form almost in the sense of being under a Van Gundy. Of course. So it's like the way that everything was tailor-made all for those three guys, you know, the big triangle, you know. And they had to um, get it done. Yes, they had to get it done. No pressure on Van Gundy at all. None. <laughs> <laughs> and if you and if you can't see the jam like I see the jam, he is uh totally uh Totally not being uh, sarcastic. <laughs> if anyone that knows me knows that I'm sarcastic like 90% of the time. Um, it's in, in that in that matter. Yeah. It's just that's kind of just how it was. And you saw um, you saw the team in the year for what it was. There were big expectations. It was all in. And yeah, because they were healthy. Yes. That was a big thing too because they were injury riddled the, the year before. Yeah. Yao and T-Mac got stronger. Yes. Uh, they, they went into that offseason. They put in the work. You could mm-hmm. tell uh, T-Mac obviously gained a little bit of weight, but at the same time, like he kind of in a way also bulked up. Yeah, he got had himself to, stronger. I guess, in that sense, yeah. in order to compensate for you know the toll that is taking on his body, he had to gain some weight also you know, with him probably moving down more to the mid post offensively yeah trying to change up his game adjust to what was happening especially playing with Yao absolutely Um, absolutely and so it was great and it was a great setup for them yeah going into the season so the 06 07 Rockets were ready they were ready to take it on and to try to win a championship uh, for the city of Houston that that had been craving one since 1995. Yeah. Uh, 12 years later, hoping that they can bring it back, hoping that they can bring a title back uh, to the city of Houston. And speaking of uh, championships and titles for the city of Houston, you guys, you know the champ, the ultimate championship for the city of Houston outside of the Astros? It's the Argyle League for winning the coolest barbershop in the entire world. Hey, Beards and Brodies. This is the commissioner here. Have you ever wanted to look like a gentleman in a place where you can get a haircut and a shot of whiskey, all while being taken care of by top-shelf professional barbers? That's right. This right here is the Argyle League, where me and my brother have been receiving our haircuts since 2016. What makes Argyle literally the coolest barbershop in the world? The devoted coolest barbershop in the world. They've been featured in GQ Magazine. They've worked with Radio 610 and Hope Lodge Houston. They were the official barbers for the Swimsuit uh, Sports Illustrated calendar launch party in 2017. And that is just a few of their accolades. So if you're tired of your hair and you want to look like a gentleman, I highly recommend going to the Argyle League and get a fresh cut from one of their kick-ass barbers. They are located at 709 West Alabama Street in Houston, Texas. You can visit their website now, theargyleleague.com, to book an appointment. I'll say it again, theargyleleague.com, to book an appointment. So stay sharp, gentlemen, and meet us at the Summit. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Summit State of Mind, and right now, we are currently in the year 2006, going into 2007, and uh, like I said, uh, the GM is a, is a junior in high school, and your boy's a freshman, uh, long locks, 
ugly pimples, and we're, we're, we're ready. We're ready. We're about to get into this oh, here. Oh, yeah. This was the time of when I wore, you know, super tight skater skinny jeans. Heck, yeah. True religion, baby. Super, super thin. Lucky seven. Justin, 150. Heck, yeah. Solid 160, you know. Jameson Jaguar, shout out. Brillo hair, you know. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't yeah i remember that we're not gonna talk about that anyways <laughs> everyone but, loved that shirt <laughs> yeah i know apparently they did but yeah we were all like just kind of in 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 our we were all in our own em- not well not really emo but like we were all just kind of like in our own phases of life and we were just kind of enjoying ourselves and of course in the midst of all of that was the houston rocket season where i i personally felt like i was this was probably the most amped I was the acquisition of Shane Battier. I felt I felt confident. I felt like they were like you said earlier in the uh, earlier in the pod. You were saying that like they're now getting to the peak of their powers. They're coming together now. Multiple years with uh, JVG. You felt good, right? You felt good. Yeah, going I felt into the very season? confident. I felt like especially after o four o five. You know, we were definitely trending upwards. Absolutely. Five o six brought injuries, but. You it know, bought Shane Batty. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'll take. You, I'll you take know, that sacrifice for the year. Someone that you, you know, that is absolutely conducive to any sort of, um, you know, success. He's a, yeah, absolutely. And and on top of that, um, they had Chuck Hayes, which they had developed also the year before, and now he was coming into his own as a full fledged starter, a defensive, uh, defensive minded player to uh, counter with Yao, who may not yeah. have been quick. So you know, there was a lot of good stuff going into that. So the Rockets. So just to let y'all know the Rockets season in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, the overall record, they finished with a 52 and 30 record. Uh, they finished third. Okay, think about it like this. They're 52 and 30 GM, but they finished third in the Southwest Division. Yep. Third, 50 plus wins behind Dallas and San Antonio. Like, that just goes to show how much of a juggernaut Texas was at that time. Yeah, that was a Absolutely. very hard time in Texas, especially for the Rockets. The big three in <laughs> San Antonio. Well, I mean, at that point, they were always feeling like they were playing catch up. Against oh, yeah. Dallas and San Antonio for Jason years. Terry and Dirk in there at the peak of their powers, obviously, at that point, too. With a but no, it wasn't Carl, that was still James, that was James Avery, still was the coach. Avery Johnson, Avery Johnson, James Avery. Oh no, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. <laughs> I was thinking talking, of Uncle Phil, about James Avery, the, the James Avery, the actor. I know, yeah, Fresh about, Prince. Like, also the uh. The Avery Jones. the sh- the shop of um what is it called a uh, jewelry the oh jewelry? yes James Avery jewelry no James I don't Avery? think like that yeah. I'm sorry I'm not a yeah. romantic one I I think more James Avery the actor and then I think of Uncle Phil and then I just get sad because you think of Shredder rest in peace Uncle Phil <laughs> I must capture the turtle <laughs> but yeah no so yeah Avery Johnson was their coach obviously so um yeah so it was, it was really tough and the coach at the time was going to be the last year of Jeff Van Gundy. Their executive for the last year was going to be Carol Dawson because he was uh, he was going to pass it on, which we yeah, already kind of we, everyone Maury's, knew uh, it was going to be Maury's. Year. Yep, yeah. they finished with ninety se- finished ninety seven points per game. Which okay, and if you talk in twenty twenty, it's laughable, absolutely laughable to score ninety seven points a game. But it was seventeenth in the NBA, so not bad considering the lack of offenses that had existed at that time. Obviously, the Warriors and the Suns. And the Dallas Mavericks were 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 leading that charge octane. in the high octane. But offenses. it was also Phoenix that was you know the seven seconds or less. Oh yeah, the master of the Mike D'Antoni. That's right, seven Rockets seconds or coach. less. And they would score in bunches. So ninety-seven points per game actually is not that bad. This is where this is where it gets key, and this is where you can even argue fast forwarding into twenty twenty that this will be significant. The opposing points per game was ninety-two point one points per game. GM mm-hmm. third. Third in the entire NBA. Our defense was extremely solid, and we had the best defensive coach in basketball in Jeff Van Gundy. Absolutely. At that point in time. 
You anywhere. are talking about like big time elite championship level defense mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh, they they actually their expected win loss was supposed to be fifty five and twenty seven, so they they did trend downward in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the preseason odds it wasn't anything special; they were totally behind. Championship, Justin, check this out: plus two thousand. Wow. <laughs> so if you were to bet on them and they actually did well, uh you were you'd win a lot of money, but trust me, it was not meant to be. And uh well, I mean, so, I guess they're taking account of how they played the year before cuz we were trash the year before. That's that's true. Probably yeah. also count accounting for the fact that maybe Yon T-Mac on off chance they wouldn't be healthy because they were yeah, healthy they weren't a, healthy the year safe, before. Uh, yeah. It was a safe bet, yeah. And then you actually if you remember GM before the season had started, People, some people were there. Were there was clout for the for the Shane Battier trade, but there were also its detractors. There were people that were saying, "Why would you trade Rudy Gay, who who looked like an uh, uh, a possible a consistent all star? Yeah, he looked like he was going to be a consistent all star. Mm-hmm. Uh, to trade him away for mm-hmm. Shane Battier, your glue to be you know obviously which would work out in well, the I long mean, run. If, if anyone but, had re- had anyone had recalled Rudy Gay when he was at UConn, he was. A stud, yeah, a future stud, and it was someone that the Rockets, Rockets fans thought highly of at that point in time. Yeah, when we traded for Rudy Gay, I was very—I mean, we traded Rudy Gay for Battier. I was very fifty-fifty at the time. I was only seventeen. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly. I knew what Battier brought to the table. Yeah, but obviously, when you look at the lining of potential, you want Rudy Gay because T Mac at the point. Well, had been through a lot of injuries. He was on year ten of his career. I yeah, believe. back issues, yes. back spasms. So you know, it was something that you thought about in the sense. But at the same time, you wanted immediate success, and they made they struck the deal. And honestly, it was probably the best trade they could have made. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and especially considering what it, he obviously gave us. And we talked about this in the pod, obviously too. So. In the long run, it worked out. In the long run, it worked out. It really it gave a, it gave a boost to the to the team. So let's go ahead and jump into the season. Uh, GM, the Rockets obviously started out strong, going fourteen and six to start the season. Everything is kind of falling in its place, as you know, as you can see. There were you know a few notable notable wins. Obviously, they they beat Dallas. Actually, if you I don't know if you remember GM, because honestly, to be to be honest, it, I vaguely vaguely remember this, but we killed dallas by 31 points and that was a huge um yeah a victory for we took them. the l the first l of the season against uh, utah and then the second game we just mm. just came back just guns a blazing at home first home game of the well, season I mean, if you remember when we started out the first game of the season in 0607 kirk snyder was the starting uh two guard uh alongside ray for Alston. yes and it was t-mac yes and T-Mac i wasn't was sure if it was juan howard or chuck hayes with yow and they started batty on the bench right um i don't i think so i don't remember um, it was a very long, long, long ago. Like I do recall that Kirk Snyder was the starting, uh, was on the starting five. Okay. And after that, they basically went from like I think it was Juwan to Chuck Hayes, maybe in like game. Yeah, because I know for sure Chuck that Hayes Chuck didn't start. Yeah, Chuck for sure did not start the season as no, the power forward. No, 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 no. Yeah. But Chuck Hayes eventually did earn that starting spot. He was there, and he was very crucial to the success of this team. In that aspect. Absolutely, because so. when the Chuck Wagon lineup comes up, it, it ends up doing really well. And as you can see, after 14 and 6, season starts really well. Good things, good vibes. The the last, the 20th game was the big one, was a big one in my opinion. I even put it on my notes. That was a big one. Uh, Yao Ming just goes off 38 points, 
no like no one can guard him. Like my dude was was doing work on Brendan Haywood, on Eaton Thomas, on you know anyone and everyone on that team. You know that and then that was a squad that was Gilbert. That was a strong team. You know the Anton Jameson, uh, Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, that was do you a do you squad. do you remember? And and there was also a big point in the game. Obviously, you know when he hits a a big. Big it's big time fadeaway with like less than a minute to go in the game. He hits the fadeaway, goes straight to the you know across that wizard's bench, pumps his chest, you know like just ah you know it was such a big time moment and it was, for it being the twentieth game yeah and for some Yao's confidence exactly especially oh and my God. yeah the fact that Yao was never very too expressive in the oh, sense yeah. and to see him kind of fully buy in to the big man don't mess with me type of thing and he kind of knew and really good jim i I have to ask you this though did you do you believe that at that point at that point in the season the 20th game Mm -hmm. did yeah maybe Yao? do you agree with me when i say that maybe did Yao maybe feel like he was the baddest center on the planet at that point oh most definitely right he was um at that point in time pre-injury before he got hurt in either december or january i believe he got hurt um he was rolling he was Absolutely. rolling insanely, and Yao couldn't really be stopped at that time. His mobility was so good. His footwork was amazing. And, you know, the fact that he could move down the court, up and down the court with his strength, he still had the speed from when he started in the league, yep. but he had gained so much weight to, you know, be able to body down. Yeah, he gained like beating. 25 pounds, it was 30 lot. pounds worth of muscle. Yeah. All muscle, too. Yeah, and he was just on fire. And especially if you think about it, too, during that time. It was uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal obviously kind of, you know, going into the twilight of his years. But then you had Dwight Howard, yeah. who was an up-and-coming young center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to put, yo, put some respect in the name of Zedrunas Agauskas. <laughs> yeah, the guy could shoot a jumper. Z? Mm-hmm. Come they on, man. That, that LeBron. Big Z uh, was a big beast, Z, man. Big Z, pick yeah. and roll. Pick big and Z. Uh, Pau Gasol was still, Pau Gasol was doing work. He was uh, still in Memphis. Is, yeah, still Memphis. Power, played the power forward spot. But, I mean, you know, he, essentially big man. Uh, Tim Duncan. No, maybe yes. not a center, but also, you know, considered a big man doing work. Dirk. Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, Dirk Nowitzki completely revolutionized the, the big man uh, yeah. in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So there, there were bit, there were like legit, like it's not, it's not as much of a lost art as it is now. Yeah. You, you were, it was still pretty prominent in that. Yeah, but I mean, the, sense, the transition right? had already began. Yeah, of Yao course. could hit the mid range J. Um, he could step out and shoot the three. TD. He can step out and shoot the three too, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was a career eighty something percent free throw shooter. The guy did not miss at the line. Yao had I an amazing touch. I completely forgot how money he was from the free throw line. Yeah, as a center, mm-hmm. but he's a good like. He was such a good jump shooter. Like I, I will always regret, and I will always be low key upset that Adelman, Van Gundy, like didn't. And and obviously, you know, you're a product of the years that you're playing in. I know it wasn't as prominent. It was starting to open up, though, especially in 0809. I was like, why can't you let Yao step back to the three? He's obviously a good three-point shooter. Yeah. Give him a shot. Like, let I him mean, shoot a few. If he was playing in an offense that was geared with, like, Kevin McHale or D'Antoni, absolutely. They would yeah. have definitely oh, yeah. utilized him at the They would have converted line. him. Probably would have um, lost weight, you know, too. At, at that point in time, Maury wasn't even... Maury Ball didn't exist. So when you think about it in that sense, it's more so still geared towards the old-school NBA while we still had some new-school mentality being introduced. Yeah. Because, you know, the Suns were in the third season of doing their seven seconds or less. So it was kind of more so gearing towards that. But at the end of the day... 
the way that this team was playing the Rockets, it was geared towards Yao's strengths. If you watched a lot of those games back then, they would do what they did with Akeem. It was pass wrong along the perimeter, find the best shot, or yep. get dump it to Yao, and let Yao do work. And if he gets doubled, find the open man. It was easy. And it was like, when you if you guys look back and watch those games, yeah. the offense was so smooth. The passers, we had amazing in amazing passers that can go uh, uh, en- entry passers. We had Shane, T-Mac, yeah, Rafer. Yo, put some respect in Rafer's name for, for yeah. being such a great entry passer. Yeah, like it's such a yeah. lost, it's such a lost art. Like let guys, alone post game, but yeah, yeah. like oh, these yeah. guys were tailor made for Yao. Um, you know, like the perimeter defense was on point. T Mac may not have been the greatest defender, but the guy could still defend. He had the length. Dude, we had Shane Battier, who yep. was staple, staple man defender. He is and, the quintessential cent- yes. uh, quintessential defender. Yes, he was. He was like, if you could make a robot, a perimeter defender, like robotically, you would basically model it outside of Shane Battier. So, in that matter, like the team was amazing. Yeah, like we were very, very good. Um. At that point, at the time. system that we had played now, and now I, I'm gonna counter. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for you real quick, GM. There were when people tend to think of the of the Jeff Van Gundy Rockets, they remember it being very slow paced, mm-hmm. very bore, very boring. That's the way that people had perceived Remembered. it. Yeah, there was a period of time later on too where I was like, you know, I see Adelman's offense, then I see Mikael, then I start seeing D'Antoni's. Obviously, I go, man, you know what? That offense was not very. You know, it was not it was not very clean. But you know what? Like, it's crazy how much years go by and you start forgetting. But I completely agree with you, GM. You go back in time, you watch these games. It was very efficient. Yes. So efficient. And even when you like Yao, like and then this is when they start, you know, when they know that Yao's doing too much and they they either come to double or they'll front him. Yep. They'll do the fronting defense. Then then you just put the ball in T Mac's hands and let yep. T Mac, who at the end of the day was still a Top you know, five. top five player in the league. Now, people don't remember that because his reign wasn't long. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, how do you say, very uh, very stone cold, very The Rock-like. It didn't yeah, last. His, his peak of powers didn't really last long. Yeah. Um, that probably was probably the last season where he was extremely effective. I don't know about 07, 08. Injured a little 06, bit in the beginning of the season, but then, you know, the 22-game so. win streaks obviously yeah, carried the team I, at that I, point. But I feel like T-Mac, like at that point in time, like it was extremely underrated. If you watch back and look at some of the plays that he made, um, not just as a scorer but as a passer, yeah, he was amazing. One of like, and when Van Gundy still talks about it, says T Mac might have been the best passer he ever coached. He's not lying because T Mac was so good at that in the in that aspect of his game. The guy averaged like six and a half, seven assists a game, and at that point, in that pace of play offense, that's a lot of assists to get in that type of offense. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to compare it to, like, Steve Nash, who was getting, like, 11, but the pace of play was getting so many more possessions a game, you know, T-Mac was right there in efficiency. And, you know, he definitely deserves love for that in that um, part of his game. He was so good. And it's still unfortunate that um, he wasn't able to keep that level of play up. But, you know, like, as a Houston Rocket fan, that was a point where there was so much hope for the team. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure, and and yeah. it it was great seeing what what he did uh, for the team. And overall, you can argue it was almost like a magic light mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. like a magic light, just but with the unbelievably unbelievable offensive set. Yeah. Right. Very, very much ahead of his time in that sense. But uh, let's not let go of T Mac because uh, I'm gonna after we finish. I, we're gonna get back. We're gonna get back to him real quick. We're gonna get back to him. Let's not let's not divulge too much. We all know Kenny has an opinion. On oh, Chris I got I got a little something to say, but we're not gonna do that right now. We're gonna finish the season real quick. So, <laughs> moving on. Uh, after the 20 games, so they're 14 and six, right? So uh, obviously, uh, it does. It, they hover around 500 uh, from you know tw- f- between games 21 to 40. Uh, they finish the they finish after the forty games are twenty five and fifteen, which is you know which is better which mm-hmm. is better. But I mean they they were only like a plus two in different in differential and wins, so it's mm-hmm. not really not really crazy in that sense. You're kind of you're kind of getting into the dog days of the season at that point and the the middle part of the season. Uh, from what I can tell, you know they took some big L's against the Lakers. They took a an, a big L against the Warriors to start that start that streak. Um, he also took an L at the tail end at the 39th game against uh, Mavericks. Back-to-back losses to the Mavericks and the Suns. So, you know, continually, Suns and the Mavericks and the Spurs and the Lakers continuing to be our daddies. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, th- th- that's why they were so tough. I just don't think... Um, well, actually, no, I take it back. The Lakers weren't really... They, they didn't have Powell at the time. They were starting to get better now, but at that point, they still weren't, like... They weren't juggernauts. Well, they were getting Kobe. They at, were like, getting Kobe back. Forty to fifty points a game. Exactly. Point, exactly. Right? Was was that question? Was that Phil Jackson's return year? Did was he back already? Oh six, oh seven, or did he come back the following year? Um, that I I don't. Remember. I don't know it off top of my head either. Six, oh seven. But yeah. it's okay. Honestly, but, at that point in time, I don't remember. But yeah, so Kobe was like you know average, you know going out of his mind, obviously. But you know these teams were still our daddies, and yeah, you know, they were. <laughs> They were just owning us. So by the middle of the season, we're twenty five and fifteen. That's a bit okay, right? Yeah. I expected. I actually, Paul. I I think I expected better, honestly. Uh, if you move forward from games of uh, forty one to sixty, games forty one to sixty, going into All Star break and past All Star break, they are at thirty six and twenty four. So slightly getting better. Slightly getting better. Another plus two. When another plus two in the win loss column, mm-hmm. uh, in games third at forty one through sixty, so you know getting better in that sense. <clears throat> I mean, they're starting to adjust to playing without Yao at that point. Yeah, because there was, was the was the yes, starter Yao was injured for a, a a little bit of the season. He's injured for like, like good thirty games at least. I feel like yeah. So they were there were obviously some you know problems in that sense and having to deal with that, but also. Uh, GM, we have to talk about this. This is big time. This is big time. This is when uh, this is when our our fat friend Bonzi Wells was caught in House of Pies. <laughs> oh my god! He was, you know, and I can't like, I can't. I will probably never let this go. I will forever blame O six O seven on Bonzi Wells <laughs> because how can my dude have signed for the MLE coming off the best season of his career? In Sacktown, in Sacramento, because the, the guy was out of shape, but chose to sign with the team. Obviously, with championship aspirations, you come to sign with the Rockets, you come to sign with T Mac and Yao, and you know you're gonna be in a prominent role. You could vie for a starting spot. Mm-hmm. You start we the all season on the he bench. Was start at one point. He his most notable his most his most notable moment. Uh, GM is a three fourths court heave mm-hmm. to it, go in. Did it count? I don't it, no, it did count. That was against the Heat. Yes, it it was Miami Heat against uh, Dwayne Wade's Miami Heat. Uh That is the most notable thing I will ever remember from him. Two things, that and House of Pies. Yeah. That is so sad because people do need to put respect in Bonzi Wells' name. The dude could hoop. Yeah. He was a hooper. 
I, I just think at that point he didn't take serious his his uh his uh conditioning at that point in time. He was a part of the Jail Blazers in the early two thousands. He went to the Kings, and then he came to us. Yes. Um. I maybe he felt like he had already made it. Maybe he wasn't motivated because he wasn't making money. Um. But at the end of the day. Like we were depending on him to be a big boost off a the bench big next to Luther boost, Head, big boost, and he couldn't do it. And 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 I think it frustrates me personally. Mm-hmm. It's always frustrated me. It's always kind of anytime I think of this team, I'm, I'm always daunted by uh, the Utah Jazz. Obviously, the playoffs. I'm also daunted by Bonzi Wells and how big and how vital he was going to be to the to the to the team, and the fact that he just didn't show out. So. I needed to get that off my chest with Bonzi Wells because he was just, it was very frustrating to see. But they did take, um, moving on though, they did take uh, some big dubs. They, they they beat, check this out, GM. They beat the Seattle Supersonics. Super, Seattle Supersonics were still a team. Was this a Kevin Durant rookie year? Seattle uh, Supersonics. 2006. No, 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 no. It was the following year. No, following 2006, year. 2007. Because... 2006, GM, the 2006, the number one pick was Andrea Bargani. No, 2006, 2007. Was KD's rookie year because 0708 was Russell Westbrook's rookie year, and then 0809 was James. Russell Westbrook Harden. never wore. Oh wait, no, never mind. You're right. Because James Harden was drafted in 2009. I was like, okay, GM, please, I'm a, I'm I have fool. this on my phone. Like I am, I, I have I'm it. I have the stats here. I know, I'm not I'm, going I'm, off the top. I'm usually correct. But I have I was stuff wrong. here. I was wrong. No, I was GM. Wrong. I, you know, and I'll give it to you. You are one of the smartest, the most uh, smartest minds uh, in sports, but uh, nothing, nothing beats Google. <laughs> Yeah, be, J- Justin cannot beat Google. No, no, I no. apologize. I'm sorry. You you get close. You get close. But maybe you'll be like a TJ versus the machine from uh, Smart Guy. Do you remember when he faced the Oh, yeah, the chess. chess. <laughs> oh, man, that was intense. You beat the computer. Maybe one day you'll beat the computer, Justin. Not today. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, so they beat the Sonics uh, pre-Durant. And uh, Ray Allen was still on that team, too. Yes, before so, he got traded to Boston. Yeah, literally the year before. So, they you know, they do better. The 36 and... 36 and 24. And, uh, with the last leg of the season, obviously seeds start getting situated. We're hovering between four and six. Threes starting to come, starting to get out of our reach. So we're not really kind of going there. But with the opportunity to seal home court in the first round, GM, the opportunity to at least get home court in the first round and to get that in a big, Big moment. They had they had an opportunity to clinch. Let me set it up for you, GM. They were at home against the Phoenix Suns, and it was so huge. In fact, GM, so huge it took place. It took place the second to last game of the season. Uh-huh. It took place the second to last game of the season. It was an eight thirty. It was a seven thirty start time against Phoenix Suns at home to clinch home court advantage. Now, GM, I have to ask you. I don't know if you remember going to this game. I actually remember. I remember my feelings going to this game. I remember watching the game, how pumped I was. Oh, it was a big game. How, how, how did you feel? Did you feel like we could have clinched? Or did you feel like we were going to, you know, the Phoenix were going to continue to be our I daddies? I wasn't feeling confident because of how we played against the Suns in 04 05. We couldn't beat them. In, um, in 05 06, we couldn't beat them. So, yeah. I mean, we beat them, I think, once in this season. But, you know, um, they owned us. Yeah, they, they were always so good. So you always felt like that one win in the beginning of this year, we felt like it was lucky. And the, yes. But the fact that we got this game, it made us feel legitimate in they the sense that, said that yeah. we were going to move to bigger and better things in yep. that aspect. That's right. Um, yeah. And GM also, so let me let me just 
remind everyone, if you don't remember, that this the juggernaut that was that Phoenix Suns team, they were on the rise, they were on the come up, they were getting ready to challenge the uh, San Antonio Spurs for that top spot in the West. Mm-hmm. They had Steve Nash, MVP Steve Nash, uh, paired up with Amari Stoudemire. They had Raja Bell. Sean Marion. Sean Marion. Mm-hmm. James Jones was the starter for that, for actually for that, starter for that team. And then this was their bench. They had Boris Diaw, uh, the, the Brazilian blur, Leandro Barbosa, and freaking Kurt Thomas. That, that, that was the eight that they ran like Don't that forget, game. They also had Grant Hill at that yeah. point, too. They had also Jalen Rose, as according to what I'm saying. They had Jalen Rose. Yeah, that was so, the year after Jalen Rose gave up 81 to Kobe. Yes, and and Kobe would never uh, let him forget it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> He'll forever be known as that guy. I'm sorry, Jalen Rose. I know you were part of the Fab Five and everything, but come on, man. Now you're known as the guy that gave up. <laughs> so it was a big game, and and that's to kind of just remind, just refresh everyone that doesn't remember like how good that squad was, led by you know led by mastermind D'Antoni of the the master of offense, mm-hmm. uh, and and it was a big time game. The Rockets it was neck and neck the whole whole way. Finally, you know T Mac will hit a, hits a big shot here. Yao will hit a big shot there, and they finally win. They win GM. They win one twenty to one seventeen. They clinch. Home court for the first round. They clinched the fourth seed. Mm-hmm. And well, they were the fifth seed, actually. Utah oh, yes, yes, that's right. We were third. That's right. That was back when, that was back, oh, that was back in the time when seeds were, it was like, you know, it was okay, whoever. So what it was was yeah, the top three um, divisions um, would get, um, obviously, the top three seeds. And then the fourth seed and then the fourth team that if they had a better record than any of those teams, then they would be higher than the division leader. Cause okay. I don't know if you remember the year before, but I think in 2005, 2006, uh-huh. it, the semifinals yeah. was Dallas versus San Antonio, I believe, or is it Phoenix San Antonio? One of those two teams. And what I remember that it was broken because the top three divisions had the number three, um, he had the top three seeds and then, no matter what, how how well the the team in the second place of those divisions would still be the fourth seed, no matter what. Okay. So yeah, the yeah, reason yeah. why they made that change was because they didn't want to have the best matchup in the conference in the semifinals. So that was the adjustment that they had made. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, then, I I, yeah. I remember. What, then, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. They made it that if the fourth and five seed, you know, because Utah won their division. Yeah. But since Houston had the better record they were able to get home court in that sense. So yes. That's yes. how it worked out for us. And and just and and it just goes to show how like interwoven everything was and how like difficult and insane it was and just overall how the West was it was really you know, you talk about the wild, wild west. That was like really and truly the wild wild west. Like that was such I feel like honestly, like the the, so the, the West has always been competitive since Michael Jordan left the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference has been the superior conference for the last twenty years. The West has always been the better one. And, I just think that's insane. Like, yeah, like you gotta be you you like no matter. I mean, even though the East wins some All Star games, the power was always LeBron. LeBron was always at the top, so it didn't matter. Like the West was always crazy you never knew until golden state came in the picture it was always like you didn't know whose year it could be dallas could have been in the final san antonio phoenix never got there but it's usually it was usually san antonio and dallas yeah um you know the 
you know, the Lakers sprinkled in there in 2009 and 2010. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, the Warriors came up. So it was basically like four teams that were kind of just at the top with Houston kind of trickling in there occasionally, Phoenix trickling in there when Nash was still there. But that was it. Um, I just think that, and that just goes to show how ultra competitive, like the 2006, 2007 season from what I can, from what I can see now. So it concludes, right? And we finish up with a record of 52 and 30. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we finish with Dallas getting the top seed. They're the first seed, 67 and 15, followed by the Phoenix Suns, who are 61 and 21, followed by the Spurs, who are 58 and 24, followed by the Jazz, like you said, mm-hmm. were 51 and 31, followed yeah. by the fifth seed Rockets, 52 and 30. Better record, get the home court as the fifth seed. Yeah. Sixth seed goes to the Nuggets, led by Carmelo Anthony, 45 and 37. Lakers and Warriors, 42 and 40, but with the Lakers getting the seventh seed, mm-hmm. while the Warriors drop off to the eighth seed. So it sets up a wild first round for many reasons. Obviously, like, obviously for the Rockets and Jazz, but before we even jump into that, like, we have to talk about that wild, wild first round between the the one eight seed. Yeah, if anyone has a mem- has a memory, that was when, that was um, the memory. Don Nelson Nelly was the coach of the Warriors, and he knew the kryptonite to beat the Mavericks, as he was their coach before. And everyone said that uh, be be aware, be afraid. Do not treat Golden State like they were the uh, eighth seed against Dallas. And sure enough. They beat Dallas in six. And if yeah. anyone remembers, Dallas won 65, 66 games that year. Um, Dirk was MVP. Yeah. Dirk was one of the few people that had to accept the MVP on a press conference, like in an appearance, because usually the MVP is in the conference finals most yes. of the time. And that's when they presented it during the season, uh, during the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was, that's right. It was mind boggling at the time and it was very embarrassing. But Golden State deserves respect in their names. Those believe it warriors like Jay Rich. Monte Ellis, Baron Davis, yeah, Baron Davis, Andres Biedrinch. That team was a really exciting team. To was watch. that was Bogan on that team too? No, no, no. no. That, he was still in Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So who am I? Th- who's their starter? Dampier. No, no, no. Well, yeah, Biedrinch. But Biedrinch. I thought Biedrinch was off the bench. There was a starting center. I don't remember. Frick on a stick. I don't remember. O'Donnell Foyle, Stephen Jackson. Oh, Stephen Jackson was on Stephen the team too. Jack. Stephen, yeah. Stephen Jackson, Captain was on Jack, the team dude. Too, I think that was a squad though like that was a a good good scrappy squad well baron davis was kind of at towards the tail end he wasn't going to be as great anymore well he hadn't even gone to the clippers yet but bd was still a solid player yeah absolutely and it obviously set up for them and they beat they beat the mavericks in six it just goes to show that like oh man like (laughs) anything at this point could happen and i it's all about matchups and yes like 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 and that's the only reason why the Rockets, you know, if we're going to preview the first round series for us against the Jazz, that was one of the reasons why it was just a nightmare for us because they had the personnel to beat us. And they did. Matchups. They did. And we're going to go ahead and jump into that now. So it's going to be the Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz in the first round. So let's go ahead and talk about that. And let's get into that. Let's get into that right now, GM. Game one, it's at home. It's the Rockets, and we're feeling good. We're feeling great. We get we get home court because last time we were in the playoffs, 0405, we were against Dallas Mavericks. We didn't have home court, so people felt confident. We felt good. 
Uh, the swag. Swag was on another level, obviously. And we do take game one at home. Mm-hmm. We win 80, 84 to 75. And at least that, that's the one. That's the where Chuck K. I don't know if you remember the biggest moment of the game is when Chuck K takes that big charge and goes like this. No, that was game five, bro. No, but there's an. Oh, no, no, not that one. No, I'm sorry. That wasn't the charge. It was the clap. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Where he's he on has the two, like, key moments that I remember during the. Yeah, that was super. During the, yeah, during the playoffs. So yeah. that was one uh, big thing. They handled them. It was close for most of the time, and they were able to break away uh, towards the end. So game one belongs to the Rockets. Fast forward to game two. GM, there was something special about game two. What was so special about game two, GM? Can you tell me? That was a game that your boys. Me, the GM, and the commish had attended. We were very we were first. in the crowd for that game. That was our very first playoff game ever. That was a wonderful experience. I, I threw in the uh, the MVP chant for T Mac. Yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> and it was we just kept looking at each other because we were just like, "Wow, holy crap!" The decibel levels of this place is like night and day from like yeah, it was a regular super season game. Loud and it was amazing. And you know the confidence level on that team is extremely high at that point. So you was, were up one zero, yeah. Yep. You're you're feeling good, and they don't just go up one zero; they go up two zero. And if you remember, if you know one thing about the GM and the commissioner, especially myself, my record in Toyota Center is is next some next level shit. Spotless. I'll tell y'all. Yeah, well, for the most part, spotless. I I take a couple L's here and there, but I I rode. I will forever say this during the uh during. Right before Harden, and I think up until 2015 or 16, like a team that was like with Kevin Martin and Kyle Lowry, up until James Harden 2015, 2016, I was riding like a three-year win streak, <laughs> four-year win streak. I think I had, I think I maxed out at like 17 wins in a row mm-hmm. in Toyota Center. It got yeah. to the point where like my friends, my boys were like, "Dude, you need to be in Toyota Center so we can get those dubs." And I'm like, ah, "I'm still a college student, not a lot of money." So Some people want to pay for his ticket. I yeah, mean, you know, but I, I wouldn't say no to that. But nonetheless, you know, I, I ain't a beggar, so I ain't ain't to pot a brag. Uh, shout out to Alex Bregman. Oh, so God. you know, uh, the Rockets do win Game Two, and you know, we were going nuts. We were hyped. It was amazing. But obviously, things have to go back to earth. We go to Utah. We know how tough it is to play in Salt Lake City. We encountered it in the 90s, and we're encountering it again. And this time is very difficult. We lose games three and four. Every home team has won. We got demolished. Yep. We got mollywopped. Game three, we lose by 14. Uh, We lost 81. GM, 81 to 67. 67 points ain't win nothing. What kind of booty is that? You gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. Like, well, that's a joke. In the playoffs, nope. That's a joke. Oh, you want to know? Want to know the biggest joke about all that GM? The biggest joke. Only four players had field goals. Yeah, yeah. I Only that. four. Luther had Juwan Howard. O for five. It was T Mac Yao, probably Shane. Kirk Snyder didn't attempt a shot in just three minutes on the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was probably garbage minutes by any means, but whatever. It, it, it just goes to show, like, now this is now this is the problem with Van Gundy's offense. Now this is when it starts becoming problematic, when it starts to fail. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have any counter, anything to counter it in that sense. He couldn't you know? really make those adjustments. And if that's the thing, though, because that's the, when you get stifled into that offense, that set offense, it's hard. And then mm-hmm. they start fronting out, and they play physically, and then... You know, T Mac. They start throwing Karolinko and Gearcheck and well, the the harder the, hard, the hardest part for for us was the fact that Yao had to guard Carlos Boozer because Mehmet Okur hovered around the three point line. He was yep. an actual 
outside shooter. I would yeah, outside consider him are... similar to like of a Sam Perkins from the '90s for the Lakers and Sonics. Oh yeah, he could hit the outside shot easily. So Yao can guard him. Chuck was relegated to him. Chuck was a better player to guard Boozer, but Yao yeah, had to guard yeah. Boozer. And if you remember, Boozer went off. He went off forty plus points uh, in consistent games. He was absolutely doing work, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. Talk about the Utah Jazz and how formidable they were as a team. Like they had the modern day, you know, the Jerry Sloan got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to recreate Stockton Malone. And he in a way he did get that with a more modern day Darren Williams, who if people do not remember who Darren Williams was, the dude was one of the best point guards in basketball. Mm-hmm. I he was drafted ahead of Chris Paul. I personally felt that he was better at that point than Chris Paul. Yeah. He was big bodied. He could post. He could. He was a three point sniper from three. He could pass. He could pass it. He was clean off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carlos Boozer, who was just you know your classic behind the back, you know J J almost like a J shot fadeaway, and you just couldn't guard it, and Yao couldn't block it because it was so far behind his head, and he yeah. leaned so far away. So you know you had that, and then you coupled it with some just insane good role players. You had Andre yeah. Kirilenko, like I said, Gordon Gearcheck. Matt Harpering. If you remember, Derek Fisher was the point guard. Derek Fisher was the starting point guard. Like, that team. That was a very good team. That was a squad. Yeah. I, you know, so it it just goes to show, and and, and, and it it shows it here how dominant they could be, especially at home, Mm -hmm. and how, like, we won those first two games, but we we didn't really handle it. Like, we we beat them by nine the first game, beat them by eight the second game, but they beat us. Double digits, both games at home for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, so when it sets up, GM, it sets up into that pivotal game five, uh, the swing, you know, we call it the swing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home, Rockets versus uh, Utah Jazz. My biggest moment in that game was the big and one play by T-Mac off the, yes. I think it was off the inbound pass, right? Yeah. Off the inbound pass game. Game five uh, ultimately became ours. We won a, a, we won such a close one, 96 to 92. Mm-hmm. And it was... Like, feeling good, feeling good up three two. Yeah, the but game... I was certain it was going to go to game seven. How, how did you feel, GM? Did you feel like we could go into Salt Lake City and win game six? Hell no. <laughs> I was like, I think I remember you telling GM. I was like, I was like, all right, man, let's uh, let's get get ready for seven because <laughs> it ain't happening. Yeah, we already knew it happened in game six. I mean, that was just pretty much what was expected. Uh, yeah, um, it was it was tough. It was tough all around. And moving forward, they do lose. They lose again in double. Digits. They couldn't stay competitive in Salt Lake City. I mean, it was just you couldn't tell that the mental makeup of this team was not there. Uh, no, no. Unfortunately, like, there was no. Team big, and were kind of mental midgets. They were mental sense. midgets. They're too laid. They're really laid back, which is mm-hmm. you know it's it's cool, but at the same time, like you know you you'd like to have uh, your Ron Artest who does end up going there a few years later. Like yeah. you'd like that that you know that person like don't 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 fuck with me, mm-hmm. don't fuck with my squad. You know you have that now with PJ Tucker. Uh, you you know you had it then with you had it then with uh I'll run a test in 0809. You didn't, and then you know you had that in their you know mid two thousands with uh with Trevor Reza. Yeah, you don't have that with that team. So the you're right, the mental makeup is tough, and it kind of preludes to the whole thing. Like if you can't win games away from home, you ain't gonna win a title. Nope. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna win a title. But you know, obviously that's neither here nor there. If we did beat Golden State, we would have home court. So who knows? Could have beat maybe we could have beaten them seven. You never know. So mm-hmm. they win ninety four to eighty two, and it sets up GM the big one, game seven, legacy 
defining, defining. legacy yeah. defining GM. And and we talked about this with we talked and I and remember I told you I told you how serendipitous and similar it was how it lined up with <clears throat> Harden and Westbrook's game seven against the Thunder mm. and how I felt like honestly that is legacy that is legacy defining because if you get knocked out in the first round with that squad that we had and, and, and that was squad that we had this year oh, oh you know it, shit, shit would have gone you, down yeah like, so you could say that the team be broken up absolutely completely. and in a way like it was career defining legacy defining for this season for that season in 06 07 it was the best chance for that team to mm-hmm. at the very least get to the western conference finals yeah the fact that you didn't even have to see dallas yeah they did the warriors did the work for you so it, it sets it up t-max says even before oh man gm even remember before the uh, playoffs he even says remember it's on me yep it's if on we don't me. get out of the first round this year it's on me yep and then steven smith goes wait a minute wait a minute tracy what you saying what you smoking so you know it 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 becomes legacy defining in that sense. So game seven, it becomes that that big that big moment in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we hold the lead for most of the game. There yeah, was, we had we had was it we watched that <sighs> we had the five point lead with three minutes left. Yep, just got to hold them. Yep, just got to hold them. T Mac hits a big three point play. Yeah, on Kirilenko. Big three point play that was on Kirilenko a great celebration. on a fadeaway. Yeah. yeah, and it was you know it felt like at that point like it was ours. It's got to be ours. And if you remember watching, you know me and me and Jam watched the. Uh, we watched the Where Amazing Happened documentary, which chronicles the 22-game win streak the following season. They they chronicle the 06-07 playoffs, and, and Shane Batty says it perfectly. He he defines it perfectly. Just get a board. Get a stop. Get a board. Mm. You got it. So, GM, can you prelude to the to the, to the the listeners here? What what happens in those final three minutes, or final two minutes? What happens that is sense? that the Rockets could not get a stop. The Jazz found their groove. And... We couldn't grab a rebound. Yao, no one could help Yao. Chuck Hayes was 6'5". When you got Boozer and Kirilenko. Kirilenko, remember, was 6'9". He had a he wingspan had of a 7-footer. wingspan. Yep. And, you know, when Yao's by himself, it's hard. Yep. T-Mac even said, like, maybe if I went for a rebound. Yeah, you better fucking gone for a rebound, dude. What's wrong with you? You shouldn't you know, talk. You're, yeah, the, you're the star. You're the star. Like, you are the guy that's going to carry it. Like, if you see when it comes to big games, like, is James Harden in the paint going for rebounds? Every time he is. Especially in big moments, I'll give it to yes. him. I'll give it to him. Because yeah. in Game 7 against the Oklahoma City Thunder, in these big moments against Golden State throughout the playoffs, he was there. He is there. He's there to, mm. to, the, to get to the nitty-gritty. That was the problem with, with T-Mac. T-Mac, T-Mac right? couldn't do that. T-Mac didn't, he didn't have that extra gear to get him to even a level of just being like a top tier. He, just, he had it in the season, but when it came down to the playoffs – Mentally, he just couldn't. He didn't have the capability. Yeah, to get there. Of course, and and, and, and you and he's right when he says it's on me. You you damn right it is on you because Harden got got Rockets Rockets team after Rockets team passed the first round with worse help mm-hmm. with worse talent. Yeah, and there were better talent in the NBA at, at this time. Exactly. So I mean, they were product no of that excuse. time. Obviously, if you put them side by side, oh no, not really. But it's oh six oh seven, so a product of that time, obviously. So they ultimately lose Game Seven, an absolute heartbreaker, which shatters the team to a degree. Jeff Van Gundy ends up wanting more time to think about whether or not he wants to keep the head coaching job. Rockets don't want to give it to him. Jeff, Van, let's jump into that quick off season because Jeff Van Gundy does end up—he doesn't really quit, but they end up 
you know, his contract was up, mm-hmm. so he didn't he didn't know if he wanted to renew. So obviously they hire Adelman. But from that loss that was stemmed, there was a stigma that carried that team for after they got that loss to make them think, man, that might have been it. That yeah. might have literally been it for that for that era of the Rockets. Mm-hmm. And GM, I just have to ask you, like, what what was your mindset after? That game seven loss, and they do lose one hundred three to ninety nine. So I want to ask you what your thoughts were right after the loss. Um, I was extremely heartbroken. If you're going to be honest, um, I, I took that season very hard. That loss was heartbreaking to me. I didn't take very lo- I didn't take many losses hard, considering you know Houston sports. It's an expectation. Yep. Not even like you know like um, just like if I were to count heartbreaks in my in my mind of playoffs like for the rockets it'd have to go like this 97 john stockton 07 yep and 2018 those are the three biggest um playoff disappointments ever and the funny thing is two of them were in conference finals they were heartbreakers because we were there but t-max was the one where it was like you wanted him to break that um you know breakthrough because he was still a star. You wanted him to get there. You wanted to of see course. him succeed and yes. see him further in the playoffs. But his, you can say T-Mac didn't have enough help. Whatever. LeBron had no help either. There are arguments so. going both ways in that sense. And with that said, GM, I'm going to open Pandora's box for myself because I need this. I need to get this off my chest. I need the world to know Everyone my story. Needs to listen to they this story. They need to hear my story. Because let me, let me just preface it by, by letting you all know that there's no... There was no bigger T-Mac advocate than me. I supported him. Supported. After all the injuries, I was supportive of him. GM was supportive of him too, but it kind of just got quiet for him because after he saw injuries and he understands back issues and back problems. So he kind of knew like when his time was, I never personally gave up on him. Even when he quit on the team in 2008, 2009 in Toronto, I had his back. Okay, he was hurt. He's fine. But everything that he gave to the city of Houston through all the injuries and, and all the big moments, 13 and 35, mm. uh, consistently getting us into the playoffs, I was forever had his back. And it never wavered. It never changed. I took arguments against him from random strangers to even my close friends. Mr. Fundamental, me, Mr. Fundamental, back in like 2009, 2010, had plenty of arguments like about this. Because yeah. he felt he felt a way about T-Mac. He felt not, maybe not... I wouldn't say I don't know if he feels as strong about T Mac as he did as he does as EG, but <laughs> I don't know, maybe close. But he felt that he was a quitter. Remember, everyone said you know uh, Tracy the quitter. That was always the that was the mantra surrounding him. I had his back. So let's fast forward, guys. I need to tell you all a story. This is a personal story. This happened. I did get to meet Tracy McGrady. So let's fast forward into 2016. I'm coming off a trip. Coming off a trip uh, in June. Uh, to visit i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna divulge it but i went to go visit somebody and then i come back i land in los angeles it's a connecting flight from los angeles to houston um i find like oh if you ever been to lax it's a freaking huge ass airport not very friendly people you gotta find your own way around i freaking run like i think i run like a mile because that freaking thing is so huge so i gotta run around the whole goddamn airport so i'm walking i'm running around I'm out of breath. I'm sweaty. I'm a big mess. I finally get to the airport. Then I find out that like whatever my 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 boarding pass or whatever, it wasn't the right boarding pass and I had to reprint it. I had to go through all this 
BS. But anyways, I, I get through. I get through finally, and I'm there, and I get to go on the plane. I'm sweat. I'm so sweaty that I have to change clothes. So I'm literally rep. So I change into like this Houston Rockets long sleeve that I have. Houston Rockets long sleeve. I have like an Astros hat. I'm obviously from the H. I mm-hmm. rep it. I'm walking onto the plane. I'm boarding onto the plane. I'm in the economy class, obviously. And then I roll through the first class. And oh, who do I see? Who do I see? I see T Mac. I see Tracy McGrady, my hero, my favorite NBA player. At that at that time in the early two thousands, absolutely either he was my favorite or he was one of my favorites because I I did love Darren Williams and a few others. <laughs> Here he is, right in front of my face. I'm legit starstruck for a, for a moment. I he's on his phone. He has his sunglasses on. I get it. He wants to be left alone. I I see that. But and I understand that you know you don't want to bother your heroes. You don't want to bother someone who doesn't want to be bothered. I all I wanted to do was tell him how much I appreciated what he did for the city of Houston and mm-hmm. that I was one of his biggest fans. That's it. So I go up to T I go up to T Mac. I walk up to him, I'm trembling. But I basically get this. Hey, hey T Mac. Uh I just wanted to I just wanted to say, you know, I'm just a huge fan of yours and I appreciate everything that you did for the city of Houston. Pull out my hand to shake his hand. What does he do? He doesn't look at me. He doesn't look at me. He continues to go on his phone. Acts like I don't exist. Doesn't have headphones in his doesn't have headphones in his ears. Keeps his head down. Doesn't look. And I know he's not texting anybody. The dude's just scrolling through his phone. So I know he's not doing anything. I'm standing there. I stand. And it ten maybe like six or seven seconds, which feels like an eternity, right? I stand there with my hand out, <clears throat> looking like an idiot. And then I finally pull my hand back. And then I turn around. Then I realize there's all these people that are just looking at me, all this, looking at this whole situation develop, knowing that I'm backing up the plane, knowing that, you know, there's only one way to get through the plane. So you have to walk forward to, so, so people can, you know, get to their spots. Then, you know, I, I, I'm creating all this traffic behind me just so I can meet my hero, just so I can shake his hand, not to ask him to take a photo, not to ask him to do anything, just literally let him know how I feel and that I appreciated what he did for the city of Houston. And he, Freaking can't even look at me in the eye. Can't even say thank you for for. Can't say thank you. I appreciate it. Doesn't give me anything. He he didn't he didn't he didn't. Yeah, T Mac is a piece of yeah. T Mac from that moment on is the biggest shit celebrity basketball player I have ever met in my entire life. And I've met some people that have bad reps. I've met Ron Artest, who was super cool. I've met people that have. You know, I've met people that people say, oh, he's a dick. T-Mac, if you're listening to this, you are the biggest piece of shit I've ever met in my entire life. You how hard is not... it to just acknowledge and be like, How me. hard is it to acknowledge someone? I didn't ask for a photo. I didn't ask for a fucking autograph. All I asked was, all... I didn't even ask you anything. I said, it's nice to meet you. I appreciate everything you did for the city of Houston. Get Just getting that out of my mouth was difficult. How how hard that was for me. And you couldn't even you couldn't even look at me. You couldn't even look at me. So you know what? You you deserve everything you got. You deserve it. You deserve not to get past the first round. You jumped and I'm not counting that bullshit thing that you got in in twenty thirteen or whatever, twenty twelve. When, when you jumped on finals. it with the Spurs. No, you never got out of the first round. And you deserve what you get. You deserve what you get because if that's how you treat your fans, if that's how you treat you know people who all they want, they don't want. Look, I understand it. If you if if I'm bothering you, if I'm giving you shit, if I'm throwing a pen and a paper in your face, I'm throwing a camera in your face. That's fine. I get that. You don't want to be bothered. 
I was just a humble fan that appreciated you for what you did, what the way you lifted our team and our city and made it one of the most exciting years of sports that I had seen before Harden. Like we were dealing with the dog days from Hakeem Olajuwon, post Hakeem Olajuwon era, dealing with Steve Francis, Katina Mobley. Now I'm loving it. Now I'm loving this era. And it's because of him. He reinvigorated my love for basketball. And here he is, not even looking me in the eye. You know what, T-Mac? If you listen to this, you deserve it. You deserve all the L's you took. Because if that's how you treat your people, if that's how you treat fans, then fuck you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah, I'm gonna drop this pipe bomb because it doesn't. Because the world needs to know, and they need to understand that this story is real. Yeah, and it happened. Yeah, and and people need to understand that it was very embarrassing for me that I held these traffic and the first four or five it's people. A, it's also disheartening, you know. And this, very this, disheartening. This, the saying goes, "People don't meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes because you don't want that. No, you know? don't ever meet your heroes, guys. Unless you're unless you're the GM because GM anytime he meets any of his heroes they're freaking wonderful. But I mean, you know, literally, <laughs> I met Carlos Correa yesterday. <laughs> he was actually kind of nice. But okay, well, I mean, at least he, you know, you know what, you know, GM, at least he, at least he waved, at least yeah. he waved, at least yeah. he acknowledged your presence. Yeah, you can you can appreciate that. Daniela may have you know told him hey, but nonetheless, he acknowledged your presence, and you can appreciate mm-hmm. that. T Mac did not look didn't look at me. Continued on his phone. I said it loud enough. I did not say it quietly. I know my voice travels. <laughs> yeah, we know your voice is loud. Well, all we gotta say, Kenny, is just fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. That dude fuck can eat a guy. dick. I don't. I really like, like, really, like, seriously, like, I, I'm, I'm. So, I was his biggest defender. Now I'm his biggest retractor. I don't, I don't care about him. I still appreciate what he did for the city at that time, but from when I met him, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck anymore. So, really, at the end of the day. We didn't get past the first round, and that sucks. But you know what? At t- that time when I was defending him, oh, he didn't have enough help. No, fuck that. No, you did have enough help. You had Shane Battier. You had a. You had. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. You, know, you didn't, the, you didn't yeah. help in the areas that yeah. could probably could have used it, like how James comes through with rebounds, steals. T Mac couldn't do that in that in those spots. He just didn't get better. That's the thing. Like he just didn't. He didn't hone the craft. He got away with talent. He got away with talent alone. And talent mm-hmm. alone is a crutch. Like, and mm-hmm. you think that that's enough and that's all you need. It is the ultimate crutch. The biggest, the biggest thing I'll say here from the 0607 season was just how differently everything was trending in the sense of, uh, Kobe and the fact that Kobe was Kobe working nonstop, 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 right? Like a robot, like a machine. And how they, how like Kobe, they, they were neck and neck for a good while. Mm-hmm. And how Kobe was just ascending to level after level. Goku. You know, it's the equivalent of freaking Goku just mm-hmm. continuing to ascend his talent and Vegeta just kind of there. Yeah. Like, and it's not for lack of trying, you know, no disrespect to Vegeta. I know my dude's trying, but T Mac didn't try. Whether it's injuries or whatever, it didn't happen. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, 06 07, considered a failure. A very fun year, but a very, a very heartbreaking end, which, I mean, GM, it's you know the year. It's say. 2020. They say they weren't built for it. No, they were not built for they it. They weren't built for it. It's 2020. I've dealt with enough heartbreaking losses. <laughs> and it's just at this point, it's just like, nah. you know, those seven losses, it still stings. It still stings. If I watch it, it still stings. So I feel the way same way it you feel. It still stings, but nothing yeah. will sting more than our future documentary, <laughs> our future, yeah. our future two-parter, uh, 2018. So, GM, before I before we uh, sign off here, I just want to ask you, just uh, do you? 
uh do you have any like fond memories that you can share just anything like uh from the conclusion of the 0607 season just you know just how i remember the game five was extremely hype like Chuck Hayes taking that big charge and with like a minute left was one of the most exciting defensive plays you could have made. Like, our, but it was that was our personality and that's what our team was made of de- defense and grit. And when you yeah. win yep. with your defense, that's where it starts. So that was a very very fun year, and I just loved like you know seeing these guys come into their own, like a Chuck, you know Yao becoming dominant in that sense. In that in yeah, that really. Taking that crown now is the best center in yep, basketball. Absolutely, it was, uh, and I completely agree. And I agree too. It was a great year for Yao, great year for the team. Uh, skip to my Lou. I'll always, uh, I'll always love him. Yet get frustrated at times when I'm like, "Yo, push the ball!" Oh my god, he's taking it back again. He's waiting for Yao. Okay, I get it, but still, <laughs> you know, make a stupid play every now and then. Go drive it to the cup. You know, do something stupid. Yeah. You know, do something. Force the issue at some point to get a point. But you know, Rayford was, was perfect for the time, and uh, it was a very, very fun season. And mm. uh, GM, I think we've spent enough time in uh, 2007. You're ready to take that DeLorean and rev it back to 88, and let's let's get back to 2020 where we... <laughs> yeah, we're present time. Where we are dealing with so many issues, and yeah. uh, not even, uh, you know, you can have America, obviously, but uh, just in the Rockets alone, just, oh my God. We'll see. So. I mean, maybe by the time we can we, we do another episode, maybe the Rockets would have hired somebody. Who knows? But at this it, point, we're, we have a GM at least. It's a freaking coin flip, man. Raphael Stone, dude. And we're, and, and I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you everyone, we are going to dive, we are going to divulge. We're going to dive into it in a future episode. Absolutely. Most likely the next episode, we will absolutely talk about Raphael Stone. Uh, give props. We're going to give, devote probably that whole episode also towards, you know, Daryl Morey and just yeah. talk about the trending direction of the team. And uh, I think that's probably the best case that we yeah. should probably do. And uh, hopefully there'll be a coach hire by that time. So, all right, GM, uh, you good? Anything else? Yeah, I'm good. Man. I'm, I'm ready for them to hire a coach. Yeah, me too, man. That's I'm ready. I'm ready, for. I'm ready to move on and I'm ready to start the 2020, 2021 season. So, first of all just uh thank you guys so much for listening we appreciate everything we apologize once again for the hiatus but like i said we had a good like i said beginning of the episode we had a good reason for it a great reason for it wanted to enjoy the uh, astros playoffs uh get into that juice box state of mind so uh we have so we appreciate it and we do apologize for uh not being there but we're here now and we post these new episodes and we're gonna be we're gonna be posting episodes i promise there will be more content for y'all to be following and listen. Give us a follow on Instagram at Summit State of Mind underscore pod. Uh, be sure to listen to us. You can listen to us on Amazon, Amazon Music. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. We are all over. Our platform is all over the, the grid right now. Uh, so you guys can literally just type in Summit State of Mind. You'll find us. It's right there. So we appreciate that. And we also appreciate each and every one of our sponsors uh, to being here, to Argyle, and to Day Off. We appreciate each and every one of them. appreciate each and every one of y'all for your continued support and the support of our fans and our friends. We cannot do what we do without y'all, and we appreciate y'all uh, listening. So Yeah, thank you guys. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And with that said, with this uh, with this pandemic going on, uh, be sure that you are washing your hands for 20 seconds. Be sure that uh, you are wearing a mask. Uh, be sure that you are taking care of your, yourselves. And most importantly, in this day and age, especially with the election going on, oh my God, be sure that you are taking care of each other, Beards and Brodies. And uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Take care. The Summit. Four, 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 four.